So the reading's taken from the Gospel according to John, chapter 6, verse 1 to 21. Some time after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing those who were ill. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Liz, very much. Uh, not just for reading, but also for being a different voice to mine, which, as I said, too much of tonight. Uh, so we're looking at John's Gospel, as you know, for this term. And John has told us why he's writing the Gospel at the end, chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. We read this. John's telling us why he included the bits he'd put in his Gospel, and presumably why he left other bits out. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in the book. But these, including the feeding of the 5,000, and the calming of that storm, uh, 
These are written that you may believe, that, and it's not just academic belief, that's a, that you may have faith, that you may trust that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, by trusting in him, you may have life in his name. And this is Jesus' goal, this is God's goal, that we have his life in us. He's made us to know him. He's, he wants to fill us with his life. And we, that happens as we trust in him. Faith is a bit like the connector of those, um, I was thinking of those old electric trains which had the cables overhead and there was a connector going up from the train to tap into the electricity. That all the power was there, but if the connector wasn't there, it was no use, but you had to put the connector up. And faith, trust, is the way we tap into all the resources of heaven. Uh, so John has written his Gospels to encourage us to trust Jesus, to have faith in him, so that we can experience his life. And Jesus came to give us life. John tells us, he quotes Jesus in John 10.10, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full, or at some translations, have it abundantly. And he wants us to know this life. Now, this life, abundant life does not mean a life with no troubles. Um, that certainly for Jesus' followers for 2,000 years have been in constant trouble. Uh, someone said famously, it's as if Jesus promised his followers three things, that they would be absurdly happy, completely fearless and in constant trouble. And there's a joy in following Jesus and a freedom in following Jesus, but it puts us out of step with the values of our world and has led many to be in real trouble, including our brothers and sisters in countries where they're persecuted for their faith. But the goal is that we have life and that the events that happen in this life don't rob us of God's presence, but we know his presence with us, whatever happens. Uh, Jesus prayed in the famous prayer in John 17, John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus, who he's sent. So the life is in knowing God Deeply, fully, uh, Michelle was going to be preaching tonight about I am the vine, intimately connected with the vine. We'll do that in two weeks' time instead. Uh, and this life is God's goal for us, and it comes as we have faith in him. Uh, so I'm going to pray that as we uh, think about these two stories, for many of us familiar stories, God would use it to help us look up to him and trust him and experience more of his risen life. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you that you are risen from the dead. You're the author of life. You've created everything in the beginning and you are, you are the resurrection and the life. And thank you that you long to give us your life by your spirit. And we're sorry for times when we get so bogged down in day-to-day -day things that we take our eyes off you and we stop trusting you and we miss out on what you want to give us. And we pray for each one of us, whatever's going on, thank you that you know uh, that as I speak, that you will speak by your spirit, through your word, through these old stories. Speak to us and give us grace to be able to look to you and trust you more and experience more of your risen life. And we ask it in your name. Amen. So the first story, the feeding of the 5,000. Famous miracle, only one in all four Gospels. Uh, lots of eyewitness touches here from John. It was Passover time, that's about Easter. There was lots of green grass. If you've ever been to Israel, that is a rarity. It gets burnt off pretty quick. Um, the weather's really lovely at that time of year. 
he could picture them, all these crowds, having eaten their fill on the green grass there by the lake. Uh, an extraordinary story. Uh, the other gospel writers fill it out a, a bit more for us. Mark tells us this, Mark 6, 30 31. This is just after Jesus had sent out the 12. They'd been on mission. They've, they're quite excited when they've got back. They're tired, Jesus says. Uh, the apostles gathered around Jesus, reported to him all they'd done and taught them because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Uh, some of you, that's all you need to hear from tonight's sermon. <laughs> you know what it's like to have so much pressure that barely time to eat. And Jesus says to you, let's find some quiet space. We need that. And Jesus himself had just heard the news that John the Baptist had been beheaded, his cousin, and he would have needed time just to process that with the father. So he said to the 12, let's go off by ourselves. They get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake. But the crowd see them going and this great crowd of at least 5,000, 5,000 men, John says, Matthew says 5,000 men plus women and children. So a huge crowd anyway, uh, turn up. And Jesus, though he's bereaved and he's wanted time with his disciples, he has compassion on the crowd and he teaches them all day. And then everyone starts to realize that they're going to be hungry and crowds can get nasty if they're hungry. <laughs> uh, the disciples are all for sending them away and Jesus is for giving them something to eat. And let's listen to the conversation again, John 6, 5 to 8. Jesus said to Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to get something. Another of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, oh, that's sorry, it should have been to verse 9, but we know what he said. Here's a boy with five loaves and two fish. Um, but how far is that going to go among so many? So three times in these short verses, this sense of what a big crowd there has come. Jesus says, uh, what, are, what are we going to do for all these people? And Philip says, well, it would take half a year's wages. And even then, they wouldn't get very much. There's so many of them. And Andrew comes with the little boy. I love this, by the way. Some of you are called to be like Andrew, to work with children and bring them to Jesus. It's just the greatest pleasure uh, to do that. And some of you will be even called this evening. I don't know how old this boy was. What do you think? Ten, maybe? Seven? Twelve? Uh, I don't know. But Andrew brings him to Jesus. Love to know what happened to that boy. Uh, some of you will have seen the Story Keepers videos, which tell stories imaginary told by Ben the Baker in Rome, telling the stories of Jesus. And Ben the Baker turns out to have been the boy who gave his lunch to Jesus and tells the stories. It's, we don't know. In glory, we'll find out what happened to the boy. Uh, but he offers his lunch. But Andrew says, what's this among so many? And three times there's this sense of all these people. Now, Jesus knew, it said, what he was going to do. He's testing them. And it seems to me that Jesus allows us to be in circumstances which we cannot deal with on our own strength because he's wanting to increase our faith. He wants us to look to him. He wants to give our, his resources to us uh, so that others can be blessed. And it just strikes me that he puts his disciples in positions where they're in their own strength, they can't deal with it. But in his strength, they can. Uh, I wonder what the equivalent of all these people is for you. When I got back from holiday uh, a week ago, it would be all these emails would be there, uh, all these different demands. 
For mums with little children, it's all these nappies. For you, if finances are tight, it's all these bills. For you, if the job is pressured, it's all this demand. Uh, some have been in work and are utterly exhausted after the pandemic. Others, it's been the opposite, out of work and just all this time and what am I meant to do? Uh, all of us know what it is from time to time to have more demands and pressure than we have the resources to meet. Uh, whatever the equivalent of all these people is, God has the resources. Jesus has the resources. And he knew what he was going to do. And he takes the loaves and fish that are offered, though they're so few. And as he breaks them and gives them out, they're multiplied. And somehow or other, everyone has enough to eat. And there are 12 baskets left over, one for each of the disciples to take home with them, presumably. Um, it's an amazing miracle. It's recorded. And it's an abundance miracle. It's the second abundance miracle. We just had a few chapters earlier, the wedding at Cana in Galilee, where the wine runs out and Jesus doesn't make a little bit of wine, but six large vats of it, the equivalent of 800 bottles of wine. He makes, there's this great abundance. And he is a God of abundance. And too often we have a scarcity mentality that we just think there's only so much there. I'm just going to have to eke things out myself. Uh, because I can't trust God to provide. And Jesus is saying, I'm the God of creation, I'm the God of resurrection. There's just so much if you'll only lift your eyes and trust me. And now he doesn't do it the way we would have him do it. He does it his way. Uh, and it comes as we trust, but this life, this abundance is poured out. But he doesn't just do it either. Uh, he wants to use you and me in the process. And, and this story, he used the little boy and Andrew who brought him to him and he took what he offered and multiplied it and Jesus will take what you offer even if you think it's only a little bit I've only got an hour a week to offer offer it who knows what Jesus could do through that I don't have many resources still offer them we have some time we have some energy we have some resources we even though it seems so little we offer to Jesus what we have and it's the most extraordinary privilege to see him using that and multiplying it and making a difference in people's lives. And sometimes we know about that at the time and sometimes we don't hear about it for years later. But Jesus is saying to some of you, don't just sit there, offer what you've got. What this little boy offered his lunch. What's the equivalent of your lunch to offer to Jesus? And there's all these demands, but what can you offer? And say, Lord, well, this is what I could do. So tomorrow in this space, I've got a meeting with some folks from the diocese and there are six churches, including us, that are being asked to become Mission Hub resource churches with the idea that the diocese works with us to try and help re-energise churches that are struggling and plant new churches. I'm feeling about a bit like the little boy with his lunch, that, well, we have so many resources, but we haven't yet managed to recruit all the volunteers we need for our own children's ministry and there's a limit to finance and there's all this need out there, and I can see that somehow we can do some stuff. But, Lord, what are you wanting to do with what we offer? And yes, we do have quite a lot to offer. But compared to the need out there, what's that among so much? And I hope in five or ten years' time to be able to stand here and say, look what God has done through what we've offered. This multiplication, we pray in different new church communities, new worshiping congregations, in churches revitalized. And we can't picture it at the moment, just like the disciples couldn't picture what, um, how these people, these 5,000 would be fed with these five loaves and two fish. 
Or it may be in the circumstances you're facing where God is calling you particularly to do. You just cannot see how God's going to meet the demand. But offer him what you have. Uh, let me move on because there's another story and we don't want to be here all night. So uh, Jesus has all the resources. He's a God of abundance. And even if you're overwhelmed by the need out there, we bring what we have and we see what he's going to do with it. So there's this miracle. And the crowd are excited and they want to make Jesus their king, Messiah. It's not the sort of Messiah he came to be, so he dismisses the crowd. He dismisses the disciples and sends them off. The other gospel writers tell us that Jesus said, go ahead. And he goes to take time to pray. And for some of you who've just been too busy, that's what you need to hear tonight. It's you must carve out time to be with the Lord. It's never going to work if we're just busy, busy, busy or relying on other people's faith. We need time with the Lord as Jesus. If he needed it, we do. Uh, and this is where we get to the story of the storm. So let's pick this up from verse 16 to 21. So when evening came, the disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they'd rowed about three or four miles, that's about halfway into the lake, it's about nine miles across to Capernaum, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed. So here's another possible scenario for you. We all face the storms of life. The disciples were doing exactly what Jesus had told them to do. They got in the boat, they were rowing and the wind grew up, the waves got big. They'd been rowing in this fishing boat for presumably a couple of hours and they would have been exhausted and the waves were bigger, the wind was bigger, they were scared, they were frightened, and they had no reserves left. Uh, and some of you will know what that feels like. Maybe you've been going strong the whole way through the pandemic, and you just say, I've got nothing left, and there's these waves, and there's this wind. And the storms that hit people hit Christians just like everybody else. Uh, storms in our jobs, in our families, with illness, with bereavement, uh, with financial pressures. We're not, Jesus never promised we'd be immune from the storms of life. What he promised was his presence with us. The big difference for us from the disciples there is on that day, Jesus was on the mountain and they were in the boat. For us, Jesus has promised, I am with you always. He's in the boat with you wherever you are. He's absolutely there. And he says to you, I'm here, it is I. Don't be afraid. Now, actually, a more literal translation of what he said is, I am, don't be afraid. And I'm sorry that the NIV hasn't translated it as, I am, don't be afraid. Because you will know, uh, last time we looked at the divine name, Yahweh, I am who I am. And several times through John's Gospel, there's not just the seven I am sayings, like I am the way, the truth, and the life over my head, and should have been I am the vine tonight. But several times Jesus just says, I am. In chapter 8, he says, before Abraham was, I am. And they try and stone him for blasphemy. And he, on the lake, he says to them, I am. Don't be afraid. He is God, the great I am, full of love and compassion and grace for us. And the storms are no threat to him. 
Um, let me do, I've given Dan, can you just put up those Isaiah verses as well? It picks up these wonderful verses from Isaiah 43. This is what the Lord said to his Old Testament people, and it's just the same as what Jesus is saying here. This is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Or the storms, if you like. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honoured in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. That's almost exactly what Jesus said. Don't be afraid, I am. And this is, this is what the God of the Bible says to his people. It's what God says to you tonight. Whether you identify more with the, all these people, there's all this stuff, what am I meant to do? Or whether you identify more with the, a particular storm you're in. Either way, John has told this story for us to lift our eyes to Jesus in faith and say, well, I haven't got the resources. This is all I've got. Help. And uh, my prayer for us as a church is that we get better individually at daring to trust that God's resources are enough and seeing what he'll do in us and through us as we offer what we've got to him. Now, I'm preaching this to myself just as much as to anybody else. Um, I know the dangers of trying to do things in my own strength and getting burnt out and losing the joy and wondering why God's not helping and that I'm preaching to myself to look up. I some. I've been thinking this week, well, maybe we're not meant to think we can cope with this. Maybe we're meant to think we can't cope and we come to Jesus so he can work through us. Uh, and that may be something for us to think about tonight. Uh, two more verses as we come into land. When they reflected on all this, Jesus taught about him being the bread of life. John six thirty five. I am the bread of life, he says. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We had that sermon a few weeks ago, so I'm not going to preach that one again. But as we come to him, he promises to deal with our inner hungers and thirsts. And as we offer what we've got in prayer, God can do just so much more than we can imagine. I love these verses from St. Paul in Ephesians 3. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Uh, so we're going to pray. Would you stand? Band, would you come back ready to lead us? We pray in another song in just a moment. And we pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, send your Holy Spirit down among us in increasing measure on each one. And just in the quiet, as we're still before the Lord, just tell the Lord about what your equivalent of all these people is, or the storm. And listen for what he might want to say to you, or whisper to you, or do in you. Come Holy Spirit.
for those among us who just feel overwhelmed by all these people or whatever it is, all these demands, we pray that as we continue to worship and as we come to your table, you will change the perspective as we look up and fill us with your life. For those who are going through a particular storm, come and speak to them, I am, don't be afraid. For us as a church, as we see just the huge need of our society, spiritually and physically, and uh, as a church, even though as a resource church, feels like all we have is a lunch to offer, really. Lord, come and take what we have and multiply it out of all proportion. Come, Holy Spirit, let's keep still. And let's just continue this looking to the Lord as we sing and as we come to the Lord's table to feed on him. Let's use both these things to express our trust, our faith, to look up to him. And as we do that, Lord, pour your life into us, we pray. And then through us to others. So let's continue to worship.